Welcome into the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast. I am Jake Shapiro, and hopefully I am not peaking. He is Chase Howell, who is to my right on my Zoom, and then Vinay Simlot in the middle. We're in like a nice little sandwich. Uh, Vinay, obviously, is the tastiest one of us three as the handsome guy who is most often on camera. Uh, although I did get a haircut, so you did. It looks good. Looks kid. good. Thanks, buddy. How are my painted nails? Outstanding. They, they look you. just I as good as last week. Oh yeah, I, I guess that was true. I forgot that that was a thing last week. <laughs> anyway, the the days and times go by. One of the things that I read recently was that uh, during the pandemic, Alexa is now being asked what day it is more than what time it is. So that seems to fit in with just about everything there. Um, but what day it is today for us is the day we preview the Colorado Buffaloes men's basketball season of 2020-2021. You hear the excitement in my voice as the number one Tad Boyle fan in the world, basically. Uh, I am thrilled. I'm so excited for the start of the season. I, I talked we to Tad yesterday. Talk, I thought we were going to preview women's basketball today. I prepared wrong. Yeah, uh, we're talking we to J.R. Payne. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, isn't Holland Shed back? Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, they're like, they're uh, gonna be pretty good, aren't they? Pac-12 honorable mention. You know they say yeah, that every like, year. I gotta good. see it to believe it. Uh, I'm very supportive of Jr. I like her a lot as a person. She's a very nice, nice person. She is a very uh, nice. And I really like her family. Uh, so hopefully they do well. Uh, but yeah, today's the day for men's basketball preview. We're recording this on Thursday, November 19th, six days before the start of the season. This will probably be posted on Friday or Saturday uh, to fill in for the fact that the Buffaloes are not playing football this weekend, which leads me to the first question, boys. The Buffs are planned to have 27 games. Uh, we're going to give you our win predictions. I bet they're going to be wildly off based on this question. Do the Buffaloes actually play their full schedule this year on the hardwood? 27 games sounds like a lot. No, yeah, every week, quite a bit of travel throughout the non-con here. I I don't think – I think 20 would be a successful uh, season if, if they can hit 20. I think there are too many balls in the air for them to play all of the games. We've seen well, what – good news for the Buffaloes is that they're really good at rebounding, so maybe they'll see. Well, uh-huh. we'll see about that this year. Uh-huh. They, so, you know, they could take all the precautions in the world, but then you have schools like ASU, you have schools like CSU, you don't know what is going on over there. So no, I don't think they play a full season, even if they do all the right things, which is unfortunate. How not shocking is it, by the way, that the biggest outbreak thus far in the Pac-12 came from Arizona State? Like that was like, that was like the odds on that you could have gotten played a win. Like. They've <laughs> right, been having just, outbreaks since the 1980s. Uh, maybe before that, they just didn't even know about them. But <laughs> what kind uh, of outbreaks? You know, one of the things. <laughs> that was a pretty things- popular outbreak in the 1980s. I think you can you can infer. <laughs> one of the things Tad Boyle said this week, uh, which I think was great, and I asked this question about the football program was, "Have you learned anything thus far from the football program and the football schedule?" Uh, in terms of just what they've had to deal with with their schedule. And he's just basically, you know, he's such a control what you can control guy. And, you know, I think a lot of Tad's philosophies in terms of, you know, nothing's promised, control what you can control have really come to fruition for a lot of people in 2020. And Tad Boyle's really suited to be a good coach this year because 
He's like, well, we can't really worry about our opponents or if they're going to play or who they're going to be. We don't know. All we can do is try to be the best version of ourselves and not worry about any of that stuff, which I think is a really good approach to have. I think oftentimes you look at coaching in, in the way teams prepare for other teams. They forget their identity and who they are as a team because they try to be so much of meeting the weakness of the other team that they forget their own strength. So I, I really like where Tad's head, at, head is at, and it points to me that the Buffs are just going to try and be the best version of them and try to play their way. I think, yeah, I think Tad's mentality is perfect for a pandemic situation. You kind of saw that in how he uh, responded to answers back in the spring when March Madness was canceled and all of that. He's just kind of a go with the flow. We're going to keep playing to our identity, and I think we're going to see that this season. We've already seen, I mean, they almost missed their opening game because South Dakota um, – South Dakota State pulled out, and now they're playing South Dakota. These games are going to get canceled. There's going to be games that are going to move around. All They probably won't even play all of these non-con opponents that we're looking at right now. So you just got to be able to go with the flow this season. And I think Tad is well-equipped to be able to do that. Yeah, to well, your point, Let's look Jay. at that. Go, sorry, go ahead, Vinay. Go ahead. Sorry. We're still getting the we're kicks over out Zoom. on Zoom. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for basketball. <laughs> well, to your point, all I was going to say is that I think Tad and Carl Durrell are both very similar in that regard where they're both control what you can control guys. And I think it wouldn't hurt if we all adopted that mentality as we're going towards the, uh, going through the pandemic, maybe towards a vaccine. That's all. Are you trying to make this a football podcast? I'm trying to make this a philosophical podcast. Let's get deep fellas. Well, if you want to listen to a football podcast on Buff Stampede, Chase and Vinay have the thing for you. There's your shameless plug. Thank you. Um, If you want to do philosophy, just come to Jake's apartment about 930 every single night where he does some uh, reading on French philosophy under a disco ball while listening to French disco music, uh, because that's who I am as a person as I rep my LCD sound system shirt. But let's take a look at the Buff schedule real quick. Um, The Buffs start on Wednesday, November 25th against South Dakota instead of South Dakota State, who pulled out of the little Apple Classic. Uh, So a pre-Thanksgiving feast against South Dakota and then a Black Friday special against the Kansas State Wildcats a couple days later in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, Then the Buffs will travel to Arizona on December 2nd for a really marquee matchup uh, that I'm looking forward to really tough to start for the buffs with their third game of the year at Arizona uh, in conference play, come home for Washington state, Colorado state, Northern Colorado and Omaha uh, are out in Vegas for a non-conference matchup against Washington and then grand Canyon. And then their conference schedule starts. They're out at LA schools. Then they're here against the Oregon schools and then here against the Bay area schools out in Washington, home against Utah, home against the Arizona schools, out in the Bay Area, out in Oregon, back here against the L.A. schools, and then finally out in Salt Lake City. So I I say all that in a way that wasn't very good for radio uh, and ask what was the toughest game that you guys see on that schedule so far? I'll start with you, Chase. Well, I think it's obvious unless you want me to uh to take something that's less obvious but it's the McHale center i mean that has been cu's kryptonite um basically ever since they've been in the pac 12 and you go back to last year where cu was actually rolling at the time they end up to McHale center i think they got crushed by 20 um i know we were looking at the box score about that yesterday so that's going to be the toughest part of this schedule but maybe like a sneaky good team i'm kind of looking at grand canyon uh, they have that TCU transfer, and I'm drawing a blank on his Grand name. But they, they got a real school. 
They finally fired their coach, Dan Marley, last year. He was a Jeremy Adams. Put some respect on Jeremy Adams' name, please. And so now now they have some players. They have a coach. Um, They might be a scary team. Obviously, this game would be much tougher if it was in Phoenix. Uh, I think it will be played in Las Vegas. But that's probably one of the more scarier teams in terms of the the non-power six schools that we're looking at here. Vinay, what do you have? I, I agree. I agree with you, um, Chase, that, that Arizona is going to be a tough matchup for the buffs, especially their third game of the season. We don't know what Dallas Walton's going to look like. We don't know what any of the big guys gonna, are going to look like. We don't know what that situation will be. We don't know um, how, uh, how the freshmen are going to look. So this is not a very deep team of what we know about them right now. And then they're, they're, they're going to Arizona for their third game when they're still trying to figure out how to play basketball, how to play with each other and with a shortened summer, with a shortened off season. So yeah, I, I am, I am scared about Arizona. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it might you help know, to play Arizona early on in the year. They're, they have to replace quite a few of their key contributors last year. We saw three of them get drafted yesterday. So, um, and Arizona tends to be a younger team. And so early into the year, we we've seen this the past few years. I mean, I remember when they were out uh, in the Bahamas with Deandre Ayton and that team, and they were awful. Like they were awful early in that season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think one of the sneaky games that people aren't going to see as tough just because it's Washington State is Washington State because you have to remember that the Buffs just lost to Washington State to end their season, and it wasn't particularly pretty. <laughs> and Washington State brings back a lot of players and, and the same staff. So um, that game being the fourth game of the season coming just a couple days after Arizona where there could be an easy letdown, I think that's a game that we should be looking out for as one that might be a little troublesome, uh, more so than normal. Um, but you know, I, there's a tough stretch there where they're back to back weekends in the Bay area and then out in Oregon on the PAC 12 slate. So if you're really looking at it, there's a couple other options, but obviously the the toughest game to me, besides the Arizona game, the third game of the year at Arizona is going to be at UCLA, uh, probably on new year's day. Um, UCLA is the number one pick in the Pac-12. Chase and I absolutely adore Mick Cronin. They're loaded with talent. I think UCLA is clearly the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah. I didn't even know we could take a team that wasn't in these uh, I first you said non-con. I didn't know we were, we were getting into the conference oh. schedule. Oh, uh, I, I, I was I was going with any game, but I mean, I thought that it was quite obvious that that Arizona game was. We're toughest. professional yeah. communicators. Come on, folks. <laughs> Definitely, I think UCLA's um, actually, I think there's a pretty significant gap that they're the best team in the Pac-12 this year. I think you have UCLA, and then you have your Arizona State, Stanford, um, Arizona, Oregon, and that whole crew. I, I would even put CU. There's about six teams right behind UCLA that I think are all about even. Um, but I think UCLA's going to be above and beyond better than everybody else this year. Uh, yeah, Arizona State was actually pretty close to UCLA in the media poll, and Arizona State also got five votes. But kind of surprising to me, and again, another team really close in the media poll was Oregon got seven first-place votes and was third uh, with 241 points in the media poll. So the media really likes Arizona State and Oregon from around the conference. Yeah, Oregon, obviously, they don't return Peyton Pritchard, but they do return quite a bit of their talent last yeah. year, and I think they brought in a couple transfers that are going to make things interesting. Um, 
Washington State will be a very good game. You're right about that. But CJ Ellaby, their best player, uh, did end up in the NBA draft, and he crushed CU. I don't, I don't even remember how many threes he had, but it had to have been like six or seven in that game in Vegas. Obviously going to be a revenge game for the Buffalo, so I, I do expect them to uh, come out ready for the Cougs. The game right after that, though, is Colorado State, and Colorado State was loaded uh, with some young players, and they started to play better as the season went on last year. Nico Medved just got uh, a new contract extension through 2026. CSU, I, that game, you definitely can't overlook CSU. I think we've learned that enough uh, following CU basketball over the past few years. Yeah, I was there in, I think it was 2017 when they lost at Moby, when the Buffs were supposed to have a good team. And then, yeah, you never want to overlook CSU. And to your point, um, Chase, about Oregon, I mean, Will Richardson is still back. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like everyone is gone from that Oregon team that, the, that gave the Buffs so many issues. Yes, Peyton Pritchard is gone. Yes, I think Buffs fans will be happy to see him gone because, quite frankly, I don't like the way he plays. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think Oregon will still give them a tough game. I think UCLA will be tough, and yeah, Arizona State. It's it's going to be a stacked Pac-12 this season. I'm going to ask the question I always ask, uh, which this year might be a little bit different because we three might actually have the opportunity to see the Buffs play in person a little bit. Um, though this question normally gets answered with what trip we're most looking forward to. So last year it was the answer for Chase and I was very clearly uh, Lawrence and going to Kansas. But what game are you most excited to see this year for the Buffaloes? Um, Again, this is a really weird question because I think most of the time we're going to be watching on TV anyway. But, uh, you know, uh, there there are definitely some good candidates and we kind of went over a couple of them. But what's your personal favorite? Well, I... I think we got to take in a, the Remy Martin versus McKinley Wright matchup. We've had this over the last few years, but this will be their last go around. And that game every single time is obviously a special one. And Remy Martin's getting a lot of praise from pretty much everybody all across the country. And I think McKinley Wright might be a little pissed off about how much praise he's been getting, especially when you see those two go one V one and McKinley's dominated pretty much every single matchup. So I'm going to go with ASU just because of those two guards are so great. That game is so fun. And as LCD Sound System says, which is tattooed on me, shut up and play the hits. Just shut up and play the hits. Remy Martin versus McKinley Wright is a slap every single time. I love that matchup. Chase, that's a great call. What about you, Vinay? My favorite is always USC versus uh, Colorado. Just because of the Andy Enfield, Tad Boyle rivalry, and then the players always get up for that. It's really intense. It's a ton of fun. That's it, it just seems like a fuse that's ready to go off at any point. And that's my favorite part of that game. Um, for me, the most excited I am this year, uh, cause I'm unlikely to go to LA this year, uh, to see the buffs play in LA, which on new year's day would be awesome. Um, is probably going to be that February 24th, February 28th weekend. You already mentioned the USC game, but the UCLA game should be particularly fun. Cause it's going to be the third to last game for Colorado. Um, or second to last game for Colorado, depending on how they, they order that matchup before they go to Vegas. 
and you're looking at a team in UCLA who I think we all believe is going to climb the rankings as the year goes along, that could be a top 10 team, top five team in the country, possibly coming to Boulder at that time. And if we think the buff season is going to go the way it's going to go, they, they might be just on the outside of the rankings at that point of the season. So that w- could be a marquee matchup, one of those matchups that gets put on Sunday afternoon on CBS, which UCLA Colorado has had before. Um, and that might be a really, really fun one. Yeah. Okay. No, no commentary from the peanut gallery on that one. Let's go. All right. So let's go well inward outside of the bus. Okay. Thank you. Such I, good I, points. It's like, what, what can I even add to that? Well, some people tell me to stop talking, which is a lot of people, uh, as my, as my resume reads, uh, my mother tells me to shut up. I hope that you don't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let, let's look inward at, at the buffs a little bit. We, we covered the schedule. Chase, who do you see as the Buffs X factor this year? The guy that's going to really, you know, take them over the top. I think the best example we've had of this in the Tad Boyle era was Deshaun Schwartz last year, because quite literally when he scored in double figures, they won, I think, 90% of their games. And when he didn't, the Buffs lost everyone but like one game. So that was the best definition of what an X factor is to me. I think it it's Dallas Walton, and it's because of – You stole mine. The, the amount of depth that they have in the front court. Um, and they don't really have a big guy. They don't have a rim protector. We know we've seen Dallas at his best before, but we don't know if they can get the best out of Dallas right now. And if they can get the best out of Dallas, then this could be a very, a much improved team defensively. And hopefully he can add some things offensively as well. But if he is healthy, if he can get back um, to 100%, we didn't see it last year. I think it could make a really big difference. Uh, for this basketball team, they they need the help at that position. I yeah, I was gonna say Dallas also just because Lucas Seward is gone, Tyler Bay is gone. You're you're really struggling when it comes to depth in the front court, and we know Tad Boyle loves to base his team around front court depth. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll go a little out of out of the box on this one. I'll think I'll take Mad X Mad X Mad Maddox Daniels. Does that does that work? Does everyone get it? Does everyone I appreciate understand? the effort? I, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> Thank you. But so uh, Deshaun Schwartz can't be the only guy who can make threes on this team. So someone else is going to have to step up. He can't be the only one who's making jump shots. And maybe it's Maddox Daniels. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's Jariah Horn. I don't know who it will be. You know, I, I just perfectly lines into my point. It, it's got to be Jariah Horn for me. Because not only does he have to stretch the floor and provide some of those three-point shots, which from what we're hearing, he's a really good three-point shooter. You know, haven't seen it yet at, at the college level in Boulder, at least. Um, what concerns me a little bit is he wasn't a, a consistent starter at Tulsa, and obviously Colorado's a better school. But if, if Horn can step up and be that front court piece that we're talking about, he's not going to be an amazing rim protector because he's only 6'8". But if he can play sound defense the way that Tyler Bay did, maybe not to that level. And he can provide some three point shots and also some value on offense. I think that's what really game changes the buffs this year, because you look at that spot next to Evan Batty in the front court, whether it's going to be Dallas Walton or horn and, and you don't really know what that's going to be yet. And so along the same lines with you with Dallas Walton, it's me with horn because I think horn offers you better floor spacing opportunities. And unlike Todd Boyle's normal offense, and we've done the D'Antoni buffs this year. Uh, you could really run a five out with Evan Batty 
and Horn on the floor at the same time if you wanted to. Now they're probably going to go four out, one in uh, instead of uh, Horn, hey, so to speak, as the boss like to run a lot. Yeah, but they're not going to sit him out on the three-point line the way Tad Boyle likes his <laughs> offense. Be a spot but, you know, either. they can do some diff- – they're going to do some different things this year, and I think Horn's going to be really key in that. And I think if the Buffs can be the best version of themselves, which is a run-and-gun team that takes advantage of their speed and not their size, because they're going to be undersized no matter what in the Pac-12 this year, it's going to be on Horn to take them to the next level. Um, kind of on that same bar. Who needs to step up for the buffs this year, Chase? <laughs> oh, very interesting. I think it's Eli Parquet. Uh, that's the name that jumps out of out of my head. I didn't even prepare an answer for this one. But um, I think if Eli Parquet can help, and you guys have mentioned it enough here, but if he can help out offensively, especially with three-point shooting, um, we know what he's able to do on the defensive end, especially if he can take another jump, take that sophomore uh, to junior year jump on the defensive end, then uh, I think he could become a very key player. I think he can be the starting two guard for this team, um, especially if he has grown his game offensively as much as Tad has said he's grown his game offensively. Um, so I'm looking at him to be the most improved this year. I think, Vinay, who do you need, who do you think needs to step up? Yeah, I think it's, it's gotta be Deshaun Schwartz. We've talked about it at length about how he, the way he goes, that's how the Buffs offense goes. He can't be up and down like he was last year. He's getting to what is he a senior now? He's got to be. He's got to step. Yeah, he's a senior. He's got to step up. He's got to prove that he's learned something over the past four years. Yes, his offense has gotten a lot better since he got here. He was always a great defender, but we need to see more consistency from him than we saw last year. You know, uh, along the same lines is a guy that that needs to go from good to great. In my mind, is Evan Batty. Uh, the Buffs ain't going anywhere if Evan Batty's not a great player this year. And I think we're all just kind of making the assumption that Batty's going to be great, but it, it doesn't it doesn't just happen. And if Evan Batty does make that jump, he's going to deserve a lot of credit. It's not just going to be a natural progression. There's going to be a lot of work and a lot of talent behind it. So we, we need to watch Evan Batty because he is quite clearly the best player for the Buffs in the front court. And he's going to be relied upon to do a lot. He is probably going to be put on the toughest guy to guard in the front court for the Buffaloes, as well as be a consistent playmaker on offense and get a lot of rebounds and score. Like there's a lot of things that Evan Batty's going to need to do night in and night out that frankly, he, he, he did a lot of it last year, but he wasn't relied upon to do it this, this, this past year. So if you look at Evan Batty and you say, okay, that guy's in foul trouble five minutes into the game, the buffs are losing that game this year. There's no way around it. So Evan Batty needs to step up all around and, in all aspects. Of and along those same me. lines for me, I think McKinley Wright has to cut down on those turnovers. We've said it every single year and we haven't seen it. Right, right. And, and, and for me, it's the fouls, it's the turnovers, but there are parts yeah. of Evan Batty's game you can pick apart. We all obviously love him. We all think he's got it because he's got the mental part of it, which is so hard. Um, but again, he needs to take that step and it's not going to be just something, oh, it's Evan Batty. He took the step. It's, gonna, it's, it's something that should be rewarded if he takes that step because there's going to be a lot okay. of hard work behind it. In, in, in vain with that, McKinley Wright is a fantastic player one of uh, my favorite players right. i've ever covered at colorado um he, he's awesome and I, and I love him dearly 
he's a close personal friend and I love him dearly. Um, but no, uh, enough Stephen A. Smith for right now. You know, that was that's gonna be the worst Nick- Stephen A. Smith I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I can do it way better, but I'm not doing that on, on, on video or record because I'm not being called out for that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I already face enough backlash online, so I, I can do, I can give you, I can give you more niche ones, but I'm not okay. doing Stephen A. Okay. Uh, and when I, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to stop talking. Um, McKinley Wright. What's up? How nah. good can McKinley Wright be? Can he be a guy that might be one of the best players in the country? Can he even be an All-American? The first All-American the Buffs would have since Chauncey Billups. And how good does he need to be in order for the Buffs to achieve whatever you think they need to achieve, Chase? Well, okay. So let's start on the first part of that question. Can he be an All-American? I think and it kind of goes back to the point I made earlier. Um, Everybody thinks Remy Martin is an All-American a preseason All-American this year. Uh, Peyton Pritchard was an All-American last year. Is there anything stopping McKinley Wright from being as good as a Peyton Pritchard or a Remy Martin? I don't really think so. He just needs to um, become a little bit more efficient offensively, maybe score the basketball a little bit more, but it's really the assistant turnover ratio. He does enough on the defensive end. And then I I think he can become an All-American. And obviously if that ends up happening – um, then he can carry this team really far. So McKinley Wright, in terms of importance, um, if he is just the McKinley Wright that we're used to, it's probably a borderline tournament team this year. If he becomes elite McKinley Wright, um, then you're looking at a team that can probably make a sweet 16 or late eight run in the tournament uh, because the point guards are that much of an importance when it comes to postseason basketball. I don't know how much – I don't know – I don't know how much I would consider McKinley Wright to be one of the an All American. I mean, the first one since Chauncey. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's at that level. What I do think, though, is that McKinley Wright is um, the guy that'll drive the CU offense. So as far as he's willing to go, that's as far as the Buffs will go. And he clearly has the mental capacity. He's clearly skilled. For me, I I said it already. I'll say it again. It's about limiting the turnovers. If we see the same McKinley Wright that we've seen the past three years and he cuts down on the turnovers, I think that's good enough for the Buffs to go where they want to, which is the Sweet 16. I think McKinley Wright's offensive production, I think his rebound, I think his assists have all been outstanding over the past three years. The only reason Colorado hasn't gone, gone where they want to maybe is because of those turnovers, I think, and being smart with the basketball. The other thing, I think the pieces around him are more mature this year. Yes, we lost a few players, but Evan Batty's back, Deshaun Schwartz is back. Maybe Maddox Daniels will take what I said to heart and become the X factor that the Buffaloes need and and, and play well this season. He doesn't listen in the media, you know that. Mainstream (laughs) media. Maybe not us. We're going to do that. We're going to do this every podcast. Um, You know, I I think when you look at the buffs uh, and you look at the history of of players at Colorado, 
I very much believe that McKinley Wright could put together the best college basketball single season in Colorado men's basketball history. I believe that he could be an All-American. I believe that he could be a candidate for Naismith Player of the Year. There's there's no reason to me why McKinley Wright shouldn't be considered one of the best players in college basketball or having the potential to be one of the best players in college basketball this season. Now, what does that say about his NBA draft prospects and all that? Who knows? Because Marcus Howard was one of the best players in college basketball last year, and he didn't get drafted. So, I don't really care about that. But what I'm talking about in terms of college basketball this season, McKinley Wright could be one of the very best players. And I don't think that's disputable. But his progression from his sophomore to his junior year wasn't as much as I wanted it to be. Um, some of that turnover stuff that you guys mentioned, some of the decision making, he was a little bit erratic and, and, and he was inconsistent in his development. And, and that happens. You know, development isn't always just a step forward. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Uh, but I, I would really like to see McKinley Wright improve upon the things in which he can improve upon. That There aren't limits to McKinley Wright in terms of his college game. He is such a skilled, smart player. He just needs to get better at some of the small things. And he, he can do that. You know, one of the things that really honestly worries me more than anything else with McKinley Wright this year is, you know, we talked about the three-point shooting and making sure McKinley's got plenty of space to get downhill. To me, it's the fact that McKinley's going to be relied upon to get six rebounds a night, if not seven, because the Buffs aren't a great rebounding team. I'm worried that McKinley Wright's going to take an absolute beating on the glass this year because he already plays, you know, almost the entire game. He's already playing almost 40 minutes a night and he's already going up against the toughest defender and defending the toughest player on the other team. He, his usage rate is incredibly high. Um, as high as any player in the NBA is high be, and even higher than that, because he's actually defending the other team's best players. So uh, I worry that McKinley Wright may not be able to carry the load in which the buffs need him to. And I hope that he won't crack in, in the face of that. And I hope his teammates are able to step up. But that's how I could foresee this going poorly. Now, I, I do foresee this going well, and I, I do think that the Buffs could be a, a Sweet 16 team if McKinley Wright turns into that next level of McKinley Wright, which honestly won't even really show up too much in the stats besides that assist-to-turnover ratio. Maybe it improves the shooting percentage a little bit, just becomes a more efficient player. But I, I, I think what's going to end up happening is if McKinley Wright's just himself or a little bit better than that the last few years – the Buffs are still a good team. They're just not going to be a Sweet 16 team. And McKinley is going to be overlooked in terms of all these awards and, and, and All-America voting, which is a shame because he's already better than Remy Martin and has been for years. <laughs> so it, it's just the factor of Colorado versus Arizona State. And Tad Boyle isn't got the panache of a Bobby Hurley. So, uh, you know, I, I really hope that, that McKinley Wright can, can put some respect on Colorado basketball this year. But I think that that is a lofty goal. Um, and I don't want to be the person that sits here going, McKinley Wright's going to reach his potential. Evan Batty's going to reach his potential. Deshaun Schwartz is going to score 15 a night and all this is going to happen. And the buffs are going to go to the sweet 16 because that's not how sports work. Um, but I, I do think that there's the potential for that, which is a really nice thing because there's not always been the potential for that. I think the one thing that I would push back on with what you just said is that McKinley's going to have to be the rebounder. He's going to have to be the guy guarding the best player. He's going to have to be the guy running the offense. He's going to be the guy who's being used forever, which is, which is true. It's all true. The only thing is he's been doing that for the past three years. So I'm not necessarily worried about it as maybe you are. I mean, McKinley has been the leading rebounder for the buffs in, 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 a, in quite a few games this season. He's taken a beating down there, but he always gets back up. 
It just scares me when it goes from it's nice when your point guard gives you seven rebounds to your point guard has to get you seven rebounds. That is a completely different mentality. And without Tyler Bay being able to switch on to a guy that might be cooking and without there being a a secondary guy that you really trust as a defender, maybe Eli Parquet grows into that guy. I foresee that as a possibility. Um, McKinley Wright has a ton of pressure on him. And Schwartz could be that guy too. He's just not necessarily the quickest to guard ball. Um, depends on who has him. Know, ball. those bigger wings like a McDaniels. Um, but, you know, I, the Buffs have the guys. The thing is, this year is the only guy that has proven himself at the college level to be the role in which he already is, is McKinley Wright. All these other guys have to step up to another role. And even, like I said, McKinley is going to be relied upon to do more unless his teammates can fill those roles. Cool. Good point by Jake again. I like that. I like that. I silenced that. I'm still thinking about the word panache. Yeah, I think Tad needs more I've been using that a little bit more. Um, So the reasoning behind that, and and most people may know I'm a big cycling fan. Here's my phone background. It's a picture of Bernard Hino and Greg LeMond, the only Tour de France winner in American history as they went up uh, L'Alpe d'Huez. Great cycling moment. Uh, Well, yeah, but no. And also, uh, there's been one other guy, but, uh, you know, Lance Armstrong really disliked him. <laughs> uh, uh, panache is used to describe my favorite cyclist, Julian Anna Philippe, the current world champion, and which is just a French word for swagger. So I think we should be using panache more, panache more, more vividly because it's a great word. Uh, that's how I've been describing Cole Bassett's game quietly mm-hmm. in, the, in the Denver Post. I actually got it into the paper today was panache. So we love it. Anyway, you guys can't tell, uh, Jake had some caffeine this morning. A lot of it. I've been, I've, I've been drinking caffeine lately to try and change my sleep schedule. And I've just, my, I'm nutty. Uh, <laughs> what constitutes a good season slash what are your expectations for the Buffaloes this year? This is kind of in line w- w- with what we were talking about with McKinley, Wright. Where, where do the buffs need to go to continue the development of Tad Boyle's basketball program? But hey, I've been taking, taking first the last few times. So I'll give this one. Can we do rock, paper, scissors real quick. That makes for great radio. Um, I think, I think, and they're off. (laughs) (laughs) They can do play by play for it. (laughs) Rock. (laughs) No. (laughs) So I'm not that desperate. (laughs) Um, I think, I think like Tad says, um, win the pac 12, make the NCAA tournament. They haven't done that since I've been here. I've been here since 2016. They have not done that. I think the last time they made the NCAA tournament was 15, right? The 15-16 season? Yep, 16, yep. So it's been four years since Colorado has made the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you'd like to see them do that again. Well, they made it last year. It's, it's in my record books as they made it. I don't care what, well, the way they collapsed, don't care what anybody that, else's uh, record books says. It was an NCAA <laughs> tournament appearance. Chase, how far did they get there? Go on sale near, near, at a borders near you. Yeah, how far did they get, Chase? I want to know. <laughs> well, did, did you not watch the uh, College Hoops 2K8 simulations that they had last March? <laughs> I did not. I did I not was, spend my time bush. watching people play video games. No, it's not even watching people play video games. Watching them. Computers computer play video play games? Video. Yeah. I will never get into Well, how far do they make it? 
Well, there was one that they made like an elite eight run, but most of them, I think they got knocked out like first or second round. I okay. second, I think second round of the NCAA tournament is kind of right where my expectations lie. I think making the NCAA tournament doesn't make it a disappointing season, um, but I think losing in the first round, depending on what seed you are and what matchup you are, um, I think they should be able to get out of the first round. So I'm putting in that second round of the NCAA tournament. That's my expectation. If they go further, great. That, that means we're having fun. Um, but I think they, they need to make it and they need to do something in it um, because we've seen over the years of Tad Boyle, when they did make it, they didn't go very far. So um, it's about time to win some games in the tournament as well. It would be a shame if McKinley Wright exits black and gold without a tournament appearance, um, for real. <laughs> uh, I, I need them to make the tournament this year, uh, which it's as simple as that. I, whatever happens. Is Tad fired if they don't make the tournament? No. Tad's not going to make it. Get off our podcast. Yeah. Is, is, Tad, is Tad's job on the line this season? Is Tad coaching for his job? <laughs> Tad Boyle on the hot seat. Are we going to turn into that podcast? He is coaching for his job. His job is to coach. Yeah, his contract also for his job. I love that. His contract only lasts one year. Exactly. So he's always coaching for his job. I I love the I love the must win games thing. Is this a must win game? No. Well, mathematically, it can't be a must win game unless it's a must win game. Yeah. I love the who's got who's got uh, a step up question. I think the opener against South Dakota is a must win game. I'll put it out there right now. I think their game against Grand Canyon's a must-win game. Um, so, besides the, the the tournament appearance for me, control what you can control. Top four, Pac-12. That's the goal. It's been the goal. It's the goal for me. You can actually can you can control that one. Um, that's within your. What's rest. it like to have a bye in the Pac-12 tournament? Um, Means you lose. I, I, me and James. Uh, me and James Lucas, CU Goose on Twitter, we're, we're talking about uh, making a, a T-shirt that says "Boyle plays on Wednesdays," <laughs> <laughs> which there are no there are no buys for the buffs. We should sell so, merch. I think like he, right? He was saying that you should we should embrace that. Maybe we should embrace that. That the buffs are always going to get that five twelve game if they have their very best season possible. Um. So. You know, like like I just said, with the top four in the rankings, um, you know, uh, we talked about how many games should get played, but I, I want to go back to excited. Who are you most excited to see rep the black and gold this year? Vinay, you, you should start on this one. What player are you most excited to see this year for the Buffs? Definitely Evan Batty. I want to see him make this step up. Um, he's always been a fan favorite. Everybody loves watching him. He's got a great story. It's easy for me. Evan Batty. This is kind of a tough question for me. I have a lot of different names running through my head. Um, I I think I'm going to go with Keyshawn Bartholomew just because we haven't gotten to see him. Um, so obviously I'm more excited to see a guy that we haven't seen in a game yet. And if he's as good as everybody has said he is, then it's going to make this team a lot of fun. Um, so I'm going to go with Bartholomew, but I'm excited about a lot of guys here. I'm excited about Mike Rohn. Too. You know, I'm all- he's got to step up. <laughs> Yeah, I heard he's doing some great officiating in practice when I Good. Good. <laughs> um, Everyone needs to learn that side of the game. <laughs> but 
you know, uh, for me, I, I spent the last half of last season saying, cherish this team, cherish this team. You don't know when you're going to get it again. So I, I, I feel like it would go against my ethos to, to, to say it's not McKinley Wright. I'm very excited to see McKinley Wright. And I'm going to treasure all 27 games, if they're 27 games or if they're more, very of McKinley Wright's final they're probably less in black and gold. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking – Chase, that they play 27 plus three, that's 30 plus six, that's 36. Buffs play 36 Jeez, games this yeah. year. How about that? I'll take they the under. The uh, <laughs> all right, you'll take the under. I think that's a, that's a pretty safe bet. Um, but, you know, besides McKinley, just because shiny toy, new toy is, is going to be fun. It's got to be Keyshawn Bartholomew, like you said. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he could do. Uh, I've heard the hype, possible NBA guy. Uh, that guard duo, Bartholomew and McKinley Wright, it's going to be so fun to watch. You know, the Buffs haven't had overlapping guards like that much in their history. It's basically been a Skia Booker and Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's going to be really fun to see the two play off of each other. And Keyshawn Bartholomew kind of learn from McKinley Wright and take some of those lessons in the next year when it's going to be Bartholomew and Clifford. So that's, that's, that's really fun for me. That's what I'm really looking forward to is guard play, which is what college basketball always comes down to. Um, and, 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 and on that note, and this can go a little bit off the board, what do you think the biggest surprise of the year is going to be for you guys? Is there a surprise you see with one of the players or a surprise that you see that maybe the buff strength or weakness we don't foresee? Um, for me, I, I think the surprise is going to be D- Dominique Clifford ends up playing some pretty big minutes, and I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, the, the biggest question mark for me with Clifford is can he actually play defense? Um which he didn't really have to do at 3A in Colorado as the Colorado Gator, Gatorade Player of the Year. But you look at that guard rotation, the four guards are McKinley Wright, Eli Parquet, Keyshawn Bartholomew, and Dominique Clifford right now. So Clifford is going to need to play some minutes, and I think he's going to surprise some people in being actually pretty serviceable. Uh, well, I'm going to go a little bit outside the box. I guess I could have taken a CU, something CU. But um, I think we're going to be surprised with how competitive the Pac-12 is going to be this year. I think it goes – about eight teams deep in terms of teams that could actually win it. I, I do like UCLA a lot, but when you look after UCLA, there's a lot of really good teams. Even Utah was a younger team last year that I think will be able to compete a little bit better this year. Stanford's going to be really good. ASU, we've already mentioned. Uh, USC, you can just keep on going all the way down. Washington should take another step up this year. Um, so I think we're going to be really surprised with just how good every team is in the Pac-12. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Pac-12 starts getting some more national attention um, just because of how many ranked teams it might have this year. And my surprise will be um, uh, I'm going to stick with Maddox Daniels. I think he'll step up this year. He'll be a big three-point shooter. I think he'll score a lot of points for the Buffs offense. You know, I, I – I also I'm writing today my top buffs, uh, which I'm going to finish up right after recording this. And one of the guys that I kind of started writing about and, and I, I convinced myself that he may be a factor was Jabari Walker. Um, he already has the frame. He's high energy. Um, he's got a nose for the ball on defense. Like that might be a guy that actually steps up and plays a little bit, especially when you look at it, considering that Alexander Strading is the backup power my favorite. right now. Like Walker could easily supplant him as the end of the year. And, and that's a guy who, by the way, we haven't mentioned in the podcast at all, very valuable on-court guy because the Buffaloes don't lose anything when he's on the floor. Maybe he doesn't have all the potential in the world, but he, he, he's fine to give you uh, a couple fouls and a couple minutes out there, 
and uh, he's a valuable leader for the Buffaloes. So uh, don't forget about him. I was actually going to go get, with him if I know, had to see you thing. I was going to yeah. say how many minutes and yeah. how much we're going to fall in, in love with him. Although so, so right. love him. I, so, so when you see him in the South Dakota State or the South Dakota game, don't poo-poo mm-hmm. him. Don't poo-poo him. He's going to be fine out there. Um, and just give it a little trust, I would say. Um, all right, so the Buffs have 27 games this year. I want to get you guys on record with your win predictions right now. Um, I have I had a couple other questions, but I know we're trying to go a little bit shorter with these podcasts. So 27 games. They've got nine before the turn of the year, and then 18 once conference play really gets going. Um, you know, this schedule is not one of the toughest schedules that Boyle has put together. And granted, he didn't really have the option of it. And one of the things I actually wonder about with the Buffs making the tournament this year is Boyle has gotten so good at kind of fixing the metrics and learning from that one mistake that they had a few years back where they were in the NIT with Alec Burks and rigging the schedule in order to look the make the metrics look really good and preparing them for later in the season. This year, he doesn't really get to have those options with the schedule planning, which has been a really beneficial thing for the Buffaloes. So looking at this schedule, 27 games, I'm going to have to ask you guys to predict all 27, even though they might not happen. Um, where are your thoughts on what the Buffaloes do in terms of record this year? All right, I'll go first. Um, I know we're used to Tad Boyle 20 win seasons, and he probably will do it once they get to tournament play, but um, I want to go with 19 and 8. I'm going to go with 17. Hmm. I think the Pac 12 wow. is a okay. lot better than, than we think it'll be. So. There, there are 20 conference games, right? In, in 21, if you count Washington as, 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 as you know, a conference opponent. Um, uh, right now, and, and this could change, so give me some leeway because I'm going to write something big on the buffs uh, where, I, where I study the Pac-12 teams a little bit more. I've got the buffs 11-9 and nine in true conference play. I've got them winning that Washington game right now. So that's 12-9. and nine. Uh, And then you've got the other, uh, what, so that's 13 or 23 games. Oh, no, that's 21 games. And they play 27. So I'll, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that they went they go five and one in those games. And so I've got the buffs as 17 and 10. Oh right wow, the name going into the Pac-12 tournament. I did not do yeah, the math. And, and you know what? It, well, uh, the way I look at it again is the buffs are playing a lot of Pac-12 opponents this year. The buffs have not necessarily been amazing in the back 12 the last few years um so yeah this could be a 21 seat 20 win season once you factor in the postseason but going into it i think the buffs would be pretty happy as as six games or, or, or seven games above 500 and i think that would spell good things because if you go 17 and 10 with this schedule that means you're probably getting at least one win against arizona one win against ucla multiple wins against washington you might beat kansas state um, and it affords you the opportunity to get some wins against Oregon. So um, I think that's a really, really nice oh. number for them. And although it may not look like a great number, the wins attached to that would make them look really good. Yeah. And by the way, about, we'll how about about I go, what's up? I was just going to say, we'll talk about this next week, but I'm not worried about Kansas state in the, yeah. Stars. How about, how about I go 18 and we put some money on this. <laughs> Um, I, I'm not betting on the buff. I'm not being the guy. Okay. So what's messed up about this, by the way, is I'm like the positive daisies basketball guy 
And like everyone knows me as being negative Nancy. And I just predicted the buffs to have the worst record of the three of us on the basketball court. But I like did it in a way that was like super positive. So now I'm upset with myself because everyone's going to be mad at me on the board for being the negative guy when I wasn't the negative guy. Like, I think that's a really good record this year. Um, and I'm not wanting to put money on it because I don't want to be rooting against the buffs. So I lose money. So okay. no, I'm not doing All right, that. Fine. How about a dinner? Um, <laughs> fine. So, um, by the way, Next week, and, and Chase kind of alluded to this, we're going to talk about that little Apple Classic. We're going to preview those two games, South Dakota and Kansas State. Podcasts will probably get a little bit shorter as we start to do these more weekly or twice a week. But, uh, yeah, anything else you guys want to add towards the end of this podcast and what you're seeing with Colorado basketball as of November 19th, a week before Turkey Day? Well, that just took all the thoughts out of my head watching Jake do that, whatever the whatever that, that was. <laughs> I almost got you to swear. Let's go. What yeah, I, we're, I guess we're not allowed to swear. I don't know. I, I, I have to hold back. I don't know what the rules are there. Then A? What? I, I, Turkey Day? Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Okay, final thing. What do you, are do you guys have Thanksgiving plans? Or are you guys just staying? I Chase, you're already at your you're already with your parents too. Uh, you're around here anyway, so you're you're good. Vinay, are you staying here? You're going back to DC. I've got some school stuff going on the week of Thanksgiving, so I'm actually going home that Sunday after. So I'll be here for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Okay. Well, unfortunately. Uh, you are not allowed to dine inside right now or gather or else I would say come meet us at Blake Street Tavern <laughs> on Wednesday or Friday to watch the Buffaloes play kick off their season. Um, we'll have to get something together. I might go sit there by myself outside. Maybe we'll, we'll do something live show uh, and all on Zoom where I'm wearing a mask the whole time. But uh, Thanksgiving, it's it's here the Buffs are playing basketball. Uh, at least there's some positivity in the world right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of positivity going on here. You know, what we didn't mention on this mm -hmm. podcast is the CU Buffs will be playing basketball, their next basketball game before they play their next football game. That's what I was about to say is the Buffs are going to play two basketball games before we see the football team play again. Well, who knows? Um, and that's going to be a fun weekend. And that's going to be a fun weekend because the Buffs are going to have, you know, South Dakota and Kansas State out on the hardwood. And then they're going to have a precursor, perhaps, to the Pac-12 title game against USC out uh, in football. So, yeah, a exciting times. Who knows? That's what we're calling it. Exciting times. Make sure you guys listen to Chase and Vinay on the Buff Stampede football podcast. This is the Buff Stampede basketball podcast. He's Chase Howell. Uh, I don't remember what his Twitter handle is or Vinay's, but you can find them pretty easily. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Jake Shapiro. Uh, only talk to each other on Twitter. It's very, <laughs> <laughs> it's very obnoxious. So, you know, take what, take it with what you can. And uh, we appreciate all the listens. And, and listen, guys, have a really happy Thanksgiving. I know normally um, we get to see Nebraska or Utah and we all get together, you know, that weekend of Thanksgiving in Boulder. And it's going to be a little bit different this year. But uh, I look forward to 
uh, getting some of those feels in next Saturday when we're watching USC play Colorado in football. And hopefully we get the game all together online for uh, Friday against Kansas State and hoops as well, because I think we're all missing community at this point. And obviously one of the biggest communities all three of us belong to is the black and gold. And, you know, it, it's been tough to go so long without seeing them. Honestly, the, the first home football game I've missed besides covering a Rockies playoff game, I think in 12 years was that CU uh, game at home to start the season. So it's been a bummer, but uh, just know that we miss you guys too. And we look forward to seeing you whenever we can. And, and again, thanks for listening. So signing off for the Buff Stampede Basketball Podcast. I am Jake Shapiro. So goodbye. <laughs>